Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 308. The kickoff to the summer amateur golf schedule was the Dogwood Invitational, And now, with one tournament of the Elite Amateur Golf Series in the books, we are truly in the full swing of the best amateur tournaments of the summer. For those of you that are following my travels throughout the summer, I caught a flight out of Atlanta after the conclusion of the Dogwood Invitational, after Hunter Logan from Mississippi State picked up the win. And it was actually one of the few times that I've had several amateur players on the same flight with me. Hunter Logan, Maxwell Ford, Devin Patel, Jonathan Bale, all of them were headed to Pittsburgh and then finally to Johnstown, Pennsylvania for the Sunny Hanna Amateur. This was my first trip to the Sunny Hanna and it did not disappoint. If you've never been, this is actually the best way that I can describe it. Picture a minor league baseball team that a small town adopts. They work at the stadium, they get to know the players, they live and die with their successes and their failures. And know that while all the players will eventually move on, they treat them as their adopted sons and brothers while they have them in town. Well, that's the people of Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and that is the Sunny Hannah Amateur. There is so much history, far too much for me to get into right now, but their revamped website has tons of cool information, so head over to sunnyhanna.org check that out and learn more about this great tournament. Now, as many of you already know, the Back of the Range has partnered with the Elite Amateur Golf Series this summer. And while I'll be providing social media content at all these tournaments, we'll also have special podcast episodes with all of the champions. Seven episodes, seven champions. And as I was quickly reminded of, you could get a repeat guest this summer. Not at all out of the question. Jackson Van Paris from Pinehurst, North Carolina, picked up the win at the Sunny Hannah last week. His second round 61 was the catalyst that propelled him to a one-shot victory over Neil Shipley. During my conversation with JVP, we spoke about his start in the game growing up in Pinehurst, North Carolina, and the first two years of his collegiate career at Vanderbilt. He was part of that dynamic incoming class that included Gordon Sargent. So we spoke about his journey and the recent success that Jackson enjoyed at the Santa Hannah. Before getting to Jackson, I was able to sit down with John Yerger, the co-chair of the Sunny Hannah Amateur Tournament Committee. We talked during the early stages of the final round to get a little more information about the Santa Hannah and why it means so much to the community and the world of amateur golf. So let's kick things off. John, can you give the listeners here at the back of the range and the fans of amateur golf a brief history of the Sunny Hannah. Well, uh, initially it was started in 1936 under the name of the Sunny Hannah Invitational. The time it started as a Calcutta, with a Calcutta, essentially a local event, and it grew to having a significant reputation on the East Coast and attracted players like Art Wall, Julius Boros, and certainly a, a name that everyone can recognize, Arnold Palmer, who you know, grew up in Latrobe, not Latrobe, which is about 40 minutes away from Johnstown. And you know, he's certainly the most prominent name that most people could recognize. But within that, with Calcutta's, Calcutta's were becoming a big problem within golf. Uh, it wasn't just in it, it's Sunny Hanna. And um, they elected to eliminate the Calcutta because there was uh, the, the Calcutta pool had basically been compromised by members of the gambling community in Johnstown, and the board realized it had a problem. And with that, in 1951, the last Invitational was played, and after a two-year hiatus, members of the club wanted to bring championship golf back. And with that, the Sunny Hannah Amateur, which is, uh, you know, everyone knows the tournament now by, uh, was started as the first, at that time, 72-hole club-sponsored uh, Invitational tournament in, in the United States. And at that time, you know, the prominent form of play for amateur golf was match play. So it, it separated itself from a lot of the other tournaments that existed. So we're here for uh, this year's edition of the Senehan Amateur. The best college players, amateurs, mid-ams uh, in the country have come to uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. 
It's also the first tournament in the Elite Amateur Golf Series, uh, scheduled with seven events, seven Elite Amateur tournaments. This is the kickoff. Uh, you've been here for several years. What have you seen perhaps this year that is maybe a little bit different than previous years since you know now the second year of the inception of the Elite Am Series? Um, I, I think there's a starting to become a greater awareness of, of what you know the Elite Amateur Series means. I think the success of of Caleb Surratt, of Yuri Zuska, and certainly uh, Carl qualifying for the U.S. Open, and and what's being done with the you know PGA starts, Corn Ferry starts, I think has gotten a player's attention. Um, I, I think you know at the end of the day, I think there's a, a, again a growing awareness of the opportunities that exist and the success of the last year's players, um, and I think has motivated other players to say, hey, you know, made it, made it, has created greater awareness of the opportunities that exist and it motivated them to play not just in this event, but a lot more of the other events later in the year. John, we're sitting here in, uh, in the media center. Uh, really kind of the leaders are just about halfway through their front nine. And it looks to me just as of right now, we have 11 players within three shots of the lead. Luke Clanton is uh, leading right now at 10 under through five holes. Is this any sort of a shock to you, or is this about what you expected? I, I, I really felt like th that there was a very strong chance we'd have a record. Uh, Alan, Alan Doyle's record of 14-under we broke in this year. I think we had there's some change in the course, which I believe did make the course somewhat easier, um, less strategic. But um, we have soft greens, and uh, these guys are good players. So you throw soft greens in for any player, and as long as they hit it, you know they're not hitting you know long shots in. Um, that there's going to be a lot of birdie opportunities. The one blessing today, I think, is that the wind is up, and um, we do have very, very demanding par threes. And so I think that you know those that we we may not see a breaker broken, but again, Zach Jones is six under through six holes, um, and he started on the backside. So um, you know who knows. Well, we're going to get out there and watch a little bit of golf and see who uh, eventually is crowned the uh, the champion of the Sunnyhanna Amateur. But uh, this championship has had uh, some slight. Notice I said slight. Some slight <laughs> weather challenges uh, this week. Talk a little bit about the entire team behind the scenes at the Sunnyhanna that made sure that um, that this championship is going to be played with 72 holes and finishing on the same well, day we intended. I, I actually, I spoke with uh, Luke Clanton and, and Herman Secchi and, and Johnny Key from the, in the third hole. And the one thing they appreciated is the committee was fully committed to having a 72-hole championship. Um, we realize that players have coming from long distances, and we want to, we want to have a real championship, which the players really respected. And as you said, um, you know, it wouldn't be with people like Bill Fallon, and we're so grateful for his involvement, um, and certainly West Penn Golf Association. All we have we have a phenomenal staff um, of people here that have been committed to trying to you know basically make our goal, the, the tournament committee's goal of having a 72 hole championship happen, and. We, are, we could not have done it without them. I think, it, to use your line last night, Ben, uh, we talked about uh, making sausage. And I think if people saw what went on behind the scenes to, to make this happen today, they might have shaked, shook, they would definitely have shook their head a little bit. And I see you shaking your head a little bit as well. But I also point out, you mean, you're going to go actually outside and watch some golf, and maybe I'm going to get a chance to watch some golf too. We're going to go do that. Now, you mentioned sausage, <laughs> and um, I could, it, it, you've triggered something. A specialty here at Santa Hanna is the ugly dog. Can you tell me what that is? Because apparently there's a caddy here on premises that has had just a couple dozen of them. It seems to be the delicacy here. What is in an ugly dog? It's a hamburger shaped like a hot dog that is on a hot dog grill. And I, uh, as a member, I... Is it better not to know, John? It's like a lot of things, Ben, okay. it's better not to know. <laughs> well, I, uh, I appreciate your hospitality the entire week here at Sunahanna. And, uh, yeah, let's get out there, follow this back nine, and uh, we're going to find out who our champion is in just a couple short hours. But, again, thanks for everything this week. Well, no, if I could just say, Ben, it's been, it's been awesome to have you here. Uh, I know this is your first time at Sunny Hannah, but I think for the Elite Amateur Series to have you covering all our events is going to be a significant positive, not only for the series, but most importantly for the players. And I hope they pay attention to what you're doing and understanding that one of the goals we have, you know, one expression that, that Andy uses frequently is lift all boats. And I think the goal here is to use, multi, use social media as a way to raise players, to help them develop their brand, if you will, 
and build awareness not only of amateur golf, but also of the quality of the play that's, uh, that, that takes place in these tournaments. So, you know, thank you to, you know, to you for being here. I want to thank Steve Prieletti and Andy, Andy Priest for working with you to make this happen. I think it's going to be a, a massive positive as the summer goes on, and I hope the players pay attention to the opportunities that you're going to provide them. Appreciate uh, what you said there, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a home run for everyone awesome. involved. And uh, yeah, let's go out and watch some golf. Awesome, love it. Well, maybe we can even get an ugly dog while we're out there. Let's go get an ugly dog and let's watch some <laughs> exactly. golf. Love it. <laughs> love it. Okay, bud. Thanks. Yes, I can confirm. I did indeed have an ugly dog, and it was better than expected. Um, not sure I need to have another one until perhaps next year's Sunny Hannah Amateur, but uh, but yeah, it was good. I approve. So, quick reminder before getting to my conversation with Jackson Van Paris, make sure you're following the Back of the Range and the Elite Amateur Golf Series on social media. Best place to get all of the information, head over to thebackoftherange.com and also eliteamateurgolfseries.org. So, let's get to my conversation with the 2023 Sunny Hanna Amateur Champion, Jackson Van Paris. Sir, welcome to the Back of the Range. How are you? Thank you. Good to be here. Absolutely. So let's. Uh, we have a lot to get to in a, in a short amount of time because again, we are we are here at the Northeast Amateur getting prepped. What uh, talking about just kind of the travel process that you had getting here to uh, to to want to moist it. I usually travel with my parents, uh, mom and dad, at least one of them to all the events, and um, we drove from Pinehurst to Johnstown, Pennsylvania, for the Sunny Hannah, and then. After that, we drove from Johnstown to Rhode Island, which is where we are now. And yeah, Ben and I were about 30 minutes apart on the highway. Yeah. Driving to, uh, we did a little Instagram live at some point when we got really bored, but uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't very riveting. Yeah, <laughs> no, we'll have to improve on that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a lot. We had Devin Patel in there. I thought that would really give us a bump, but uh, you know, it's it's we need we need a little more out of Devin Patel. But yeah, we had. <laughs> We had a little bit of travel here at Wanna Moist but uh, yeah, what we're doing here with uh, the partnership between the back of the range and the Elite Amateur Golf Series is there's going to be seven tournaments in this series, and there's going to be, well, there may be repeat champions. I should uh, pause myself there, but uh, we'll be visiting with every single champion uh, of all these tournaments, and uh, you're obviously the first uh, kicking off this series this summer in 23 as the Sunny Hannah Amateur Champion. Uh, for People that may not be familiar with you and and where you got your start in the game, let's give a little bit of history as to where you uh, started your game. Now you're from you're living in Pinehurst, North Carolina, as you said, but not a native. So where did you grow up, and actually where did you get into the game? Uh, so I grew up in Chicago, uh, lived there, born and raised until I was twelve, then moved to Pinehurst, North Carolina, like you said. Um, Chicago is where I picked up a club first. I was like two or three. Uh, ever since I could walk, whacking little plastic clubs, plastic balls in the basement. Um, and we lived on a golf course too. So What course? Uh, Conway Farms Golf Club in Chicago. Yeah, very lucky. To, they've hosted like a BMW championship, I think, a few times. Conway yeah. Farms was the site of the 2012 U.S. Mid-Am, the yes. only yeah. USG event that I've ever played in. Really? That is Conway Farms wow. and Knollwood was the <laughs> companion, the stroke play companion oh, yeah. course. Um, so, yeah, fun fact there. Um, very interesting. 2012 U.S. Mid-Am, which was won by Nathan Smith. So. That was his last one. That was his fourth one. Should the viewers look up your results? or You know, this is going to be about you, Jackson. Uh, we're <laughs> celebrating your achievements in golf today. We're uh, we're gonna we're gonna not look back. Um, you know, that's that's just that's going to overshadow you, and that's yeah, not what we're here we to do. We don't want to do. That. No, no, no. Yeah. We're talking about you now. Um, so, growing up in Chicago, obviously, golf is not something you can do year round there, or you can try, but also it's going to be kind of tough with the weather. So, was were you a single sport athlete, or did you get your hands in everything? I was was doing everything um let's see golf uh i picked up basketball same kind of time i picked up golf like really young um same deal plastic hoop plastic ball in your basement just throwing it and really my parents said i obviously don't remember this but my parents said when i was really little i would like be crawling or walking around on the house in the house and i'd like throw a ball to the other side of the room or house right. and then like crawl and walk over to get it and 
throw it up and catch it and do all that stuff. So really ever since I was little, I had a, some sort of ball in my hands, just like the ability was, was there pretty quickly. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I think so. I mean, I was, I mean, and then I played baseball growing up, soccer, a little bit of like touch football, whatever, when you were, when you were really little. Um, but yeah, so I kind of played everything, um, had like the athletic background, which I think really, really did help when I picked up golf, just having that natural kind of hand eye coordination from, from being so young. So, so you, you kind of get your start in Chicago, I'm guessing, obviously Chicago district golf association, there's great junior golf opportunities there, but you moved to Pinehurst at, at the age of 12. And when I think of, well, probably when anyone thinks of Pinehurst, they think of, golf vacations they think of the resort they think of uh this is a buddy's trip you know 20 guys you know renting a couple houses and that's that's what they think of piners but no there are people that actually live there and call it their home so and i'm thinking now obviously u.s kids i mean there's so many golf opportunities but what is the golf culture like for a junior golfer in that 12 to 13 age range at pinehurst yeah it's a uh it was definitely interesting when i first got there um being kind of that sixth grade time right. frame is when you really start getting actually serious about the game of golf. Um, I played world championships in U.S. kids yeah. stuff growing up. and um, But that's more so just like fun. Like you go with your parents and your, your mom or dad caddies and you whack it around. Right. It doesn't mean anything. But it starts getting more serious when you get to that like middle school age. And there really was not a junior golf culture of before I got there. Um, Interesting. Okay. So there was one kid that who just graduated from Wake Forest, uh, Fulton Smith, who um, he played at Wake Forest on the team. Uh, he went to the same school that I went to, uh, like a, a prep middle slash high school. Um, and lucky enough, I was able to play on the high school team starting in seventh grade. Okay. So him and I were really close growing up. Um, and then another friend um, now that is a, about to be a sophomore Davidson uh Jackson Bodie but those two guys were that was basically it I mean there were other guys that um that were there that like played for the public school and like like AJ Beachler Eric Bay some of those guys that were really good but they were much older right um and I never really got to know them so in my age group there wasn't there really wasn't much um but what started happening is like I'd have friends that would come play and like, Oh, this area is really cool. Like they obviously knew Pinehurst, but they didn't know. Like, like I play at country club in North Carolina, which yep. had a U.S. junior last summer. Uh, no, two summers ago, yep. I guess. Yep. Um, and so I played there like, Oh, this place is cool. Like I like this place. Um, and kids started moving in like one by one, like Tommy Morrison moved in at some point. They don't live there anymore. But then, like, Kelly Chin now lives there, who's another great player at Duke. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so. So it's like becoming this hotbed and more talent. And also, there's got to be people that are coming in for tournaments and you're getting more competition. You're getting more access to, okay, maybe I think I'm at this level. And then some other kids come in for a week and you're like, oh, okay, there's there's a bigger world out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, but yeah, but the biggest thing about the junior golf like scene was there wasn't much of one. Um, but we had the US Jun- we had the US junior there two years ago and a bunch of little kids that were out at the club just that didn't really play but like heard there was a big kind of thing going on at the club. Yeah. Um they came out and watched and most I played and a lot of them watched me and um, we had a few other Pinehurst kids that were that were playing that qualified. Um and I've been back a few times from school and it's like a, it's a, it's a thing now kids are playing golf, which is, which is really cool. So it's getting bigger and it's getting, um, kind of more prominent because you'd actually be really surprised how many kids live in Pinehurst. And since golf is really the only thing you do in Pinehurst, yeah, how many kids there just don't golf. They just, they don't think it's something that like kids do. They think it's more just like the adult vacation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It is. Um, I never would have thought of that. I thought Pinehurst would have like this thriving, yeah, massive. When did you first kind of get the idea that you were you were pretty good? Um, I mean, 
I guess pretty young. Um, I would play the U.S. Kids stuff, and I always did pretty well in the U.S. Kids World Championship thing. Um, I when I was six, I won it. Not that's like a, I don't even know who else played when at, sure. that, at that age, but right. Um, it's kind of cool to say like when you're that young, you're the, guy. the best six year old in the world. I mean, hell, yeah. I, I get business <laughs> yeah. cards. That sounds yeah. pretty good to me. Um, and yeah, so I knew, I guess I knew pretty young that I had a chance to be good. Um, but I guess I really knew kind of when I got to middle school, like age, like 11 to 12, like you're playing, you start playing against kids that are older than you, not just kids that are in your age. And you start realizing like, Oh, I can, like sometimes beat these guys that are older than me. And at that age, that makes a big difference when you're 15 as yeah. opposed to 12 yeah. or whatever. Um, and yeah, so that's when I started really like officially realizing, I guess when I'm 11 to 12, kind of when I moved to Pinehurst, when I started playing against right. people there, I think it's when I really kind of realized. And I'm guessing if you didn't realize it or other people didn't realize it at age 14, it became abundantly clear at the U S amateur at Pebble beach. So you, I think are the second youngest person to ever advance a match play right behind Bobby Jones. You win your round of 64 match one up against Dylan Perry, who was the number 17th ranked in the, in the draw right there. So he's a 17th seed. And this is Pebble beach where, Obviously, there's a huge spotlight on that U.S. Amateur because it's Pebble Beach, but also that golf course is not a golf course that you learn quickly and probably something you've never seen. So if no one understood at that point, well, now they do. Uh, so 14-year-old winning a match at the U.S. Amateur, this is just six years ago, five years ago. Yeah. yeah. So we're not going to completely focus on the, the past, but that had to be one of the biggest standouts of your junior golf career. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that was the first... I didn't even know. I really didn't even know. Was that your first USAM? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I made it through in a playoff through qualifying. Of course. Because um, that's how that story has to start. <laughs> exactly. It, it, you yeah. can't. Yeah, you're not You're not shooting 65-65 medalist. You're getting in. in, a, in yeah. a Right, of course. I actually shot like one under my first round of qualifying, then shot like 65 or of 66 okay. to get into the playoff. Right. And then I, won, I made it through the playoff. Okay. But I didn't even know like... I knew the U.S. Obviously, you know the USAM is like a big deal, but like, right. I, I was just like there. You're like, there getting experience as a 14 year old. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't know like, oh, I'm playing against Colin Morikawa mm-hmm. in, in this tournament. Like, you, you don't realize that. I, I no, you're just there on a golf trip with with the parents going to California yeah, and yeah. get to see Pebble Beach. I knew I was like, oh, Pebble Pebble Beach is really cool. Like, yep. I hope I get to play number seven. I've seen that. I've seen that whole. <laughs> that whole cool. That's like the per. That's <laughs> if you know. Wouldn't it be great if you had the approach to every single t- tournament that way? Now, I mean, seriously, it makes yeah. life a little simpler. <laughs> you should just on the first tee everywhere. Just like, all right, be a 14 year old. That should be the. <laughs> that, that should literally be the swing thought. Yeah. So you get there, you get through stroke play, and uh, at that point. What was just the attention that you were getting? Just, I mean, that had to been nuts. So, I don't know if it, I don't know if it was my parents that did a good job of this or whatnot. I didn't really realize like how big of a deal it was until like a USGA. So we we know Robbie Zalznick pretty well. USGA sure. uh, helps a lot with US Amateur. I don't know his official title, so. Robbie, if you somehow hear this, I'm sorry. He's but, the director of great things at the USGA. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Kind of big time. Big time guy. Um, he came up. We knew him from Pinehurst. He lives in Pinehurst. Um, or his dad lives in Pinehurst. Um, and he was like, oh, by the way, we got to do some research. But this was after I made it to match play. Right. Um, he was like, oh, by the way, we think you're like one of the youngest people to ever make it to match play. I didn't realize that. I was like, oh. Okay, cool. cool. Write Sounds that, good. Write that down. Um, and I guess backtrack a little bit. I did bogey. I lived out like a five-footer on the last hole at Spyglass for bogey on the last hole stroke play to what I thought was to miss match play. And then I'm sitting in the tap room with my dad and my mom looking at the scores, refreshing. It just keeps getting better and, and better. It keeps getting better and better. Yep. And there are guys that are at my score that have already finished that are crowding around our iPad or computer or whatever. That's like, cool. We're all doing the same thing. And, and every finally, time you re- and you just start cheering every yeah, time. Yeah, we're cheering every time. And then finally the last number goes and everything everyone's in and we realize we're in and 
we all start like, yay. That's awesome. <laughs> and like Brad Faxon's driver there and he's like congratulating yeah. us. And it's like, wow, this is like really cool. But that's insane. You win so you win you win the first match. It probably got even crazier after that. Actually, I chipped in on the last hole to win the match. Oh my god! And of course, the, you did. This guy had a eight footer to tie me, and I mean, poor guys. I'm 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 just this little like weird fourteen year old, just like whacking it around. I might have still putted with a glove on my hand at that point. I don't even remember. I don't like. I used to putt with a glove on my hand. Um, I'm like I'm carrying my own bag in the U.S. Amateur, by the way. Oh, you have no caddy. I don't have a caddy. I did that all week too, which made absolutely no sense. But right. I told my dad, I was like. I think I'm just going to carry my own bag. <laughs> of like, course. Well, that's so on brand. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. This kid is, this guy has to be just so confused. And, and your dad happening. must have been an absolute, we'll talk about your parents a little bit, yeah. but your dad is knowing your dad, uh, you know, somewhat uh, as I do, he must have been an absolute train wreck watching that. Cause he caddied for you in us kids tournaments. Mm. Oh yeah. And then you bench him at the us Amber Pebble. <laughs> <laughs> he must yeah. be like, what, what did I do to, to his credit? He handles that very well. Okay. Right? If he, if he ever gets, if you ever get, he's actually catting this week. Uh, oh, he's, he's being subbed in. This is good. Yeah, right, this is so, good content. This is good. All right, yeah. I, I'm just mentally putting this in for later. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so you, so that's really the the one of the highlights of your junior career. But four time Rolex Junior All American, Junior Presidents Cup. Uh, you win the win at Sage Junior Invitational. So you are checking all of the big time boxes, and I'm sure I'm leaving a lot of them out. But you're checking a lot of these boxes that the super elite juniors check as they start getting close to uh, recruitment and college and where you're going to go. We're not going to go through all every single one, but how many schools did you visit in your recruiting process? I really didn't visit, visit very many. Really? Okay. I visited UNC, Wake Forest, Clemson, Vanderbilt. Okay. So you visit those schools and you're kind of going through the process, talking to different coaches. You decide on Vanderbilt. What drew you to Vanderbilt as opposed to some of the other schools? I was really, really lucky when I was playing junior golf to meet some guys that were going to Vanderbilt, um, which helped a lot. And I visited Wake Forest, really liked it there. Again, I mentioned Fulton Smith earlier. Yeah. He would, he was already committed to go there. So to me, in my mind, being so close with him, I was like, this is where I want to go. Like this would just be like a dream scenario. But just going through the process, I realized that it just wasn't the right fit. Yeah. I feel like, um, and then I visited UNC. UNC was awesome. Really liked that. Coach Tibetetto, Coach Clark are great. Um, and then for there, I, I didn't really know a lot of the guys that were going to be there. I mean, I knew Peter Fountain, but like Austin Greaser hadn't committed. David Ford hadn't committed. Ryan Burnett, I knew right. pretty well. Not great. Um, cause it's not just about like at your level, the facilities are, are all, all things being, yeah. everyone has good facilities. Every campus is nice. The coaches are nice, but you kind of want to know who you're going to be playing with. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Not just, and I'm, so what are the reasons for that? I, I mean, I think I know what, what the reasons are, but give me your reasons for wanting to know who's going to be on the team. Well, you, you spend every day with these people. Right. You okay. See them at 6am when you work out, you're likely going to live with one of them, uh, or one or more of them. Um, you get dinner with them all the time. You're, you're on the road with them when you travel, yeah. like you see them, you're, you're with them every day. Um, so you're going to want to like the guys that you're doing that with. Um, and you also kind of want to see, cause an important thing is you want to play. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was like, where can I go to get better? And, um, Vanderbilt, I got to know William Mall, Matthew Riedel. They were huge for me. Uh, Reed Davenport. Reed is actually nice enough to let me stay with him at Thunderbird one year when I'm a little nothing weird 14 year old. Like I said, he's Reed Davenport, who's really good, and he's a senior. Um, and yeah, he somehow put up with me for a week at Thunderbird. Actually, acted like he enjoyed rooming with me that week, which I still don't know if he did or not, but I'll just. Like he, he has a younger brother named Jackson, so I think it was probably just. <laughs> I felt right at home. Yeah, he's yeah. like it's the same thing. I'm just I'm going to just do nothing different. Um, so you commit to Vanderbilt and you're heading into Nashville. There's this other guy in your recruiting class that's also going to Nashville. Um, Gordon Sargent. Mm -hmm. We're all familiar with that guy. Uh, 
when you go in with him, you guys must have been thinking we are going to be the kind of the one-two punch of Vanderbilt. We're going to go in as freshmen and just we are going to change the face of this program. Mm-hmm. And no questions asked. We're just going to walk right in. Yeah. Um, regardless of his success or your success, no freshman thinks that they're. I mean, no freshman is going to have that kind of an impact on a team, and it's just going to. Everyone's going to struggle. What were the things that maybe you? had to get acclimated to with not just college life, but golf and structure and coaches and different teams. What was maybe your your experience in your freshman year? I didn't realize how, for me, and this isn't the same as everybody. Sure. Um, I didn't realize how much I had to grow up, honestly. I had to, because being a, I have an older brother and an older sister, but for the most part, I was in the house alone growing up, had a lot of parents that or parents that were just willing to do a lot for me um, and do whatever, um, travel with me to tournaments. I, they made your path as easy as possible absolutely. where you just showed up, put the ball on the ground and everything else was yeah. somehow taken care of. Yeah. And I lived on my own for the first time. And I think for me, that was a big, a big change. And I had to grow up. I was immature I was and everyone always told me in junior golf how like mature I was but like I don't know if it was a it was a maturity on the golf course more so than a maturity in life right and I just had to grow up honestly and and for me first semester especially but just the entire freshman year I had to really just kind of like learn how to manage my time learn how to be a better teammate learn how to be learn how to do the things that I needed to do for my golf game so that when I go out there and I have nine or 10 other teammates that are counting on me and two coaches that are counting on me and everyone affiliated with a, with the with Vanderbilt university that how I was going to be able to show up at a golf tournament and be able to trust my ability to represent them in the way that not just in golf, but the way I handled myself as well. Um, I had to learn a lot about that. So, and and you're coming into a program that's already very good. Then you you know because you got guys like you said you got Riedel and you got Mall and at the time you had Harrison Ott mm-hmm. and you got I mean you got really strong players and you're coming in as this hotshot freshman and like I remember talking to Reed I think it was either Reed or your former assistant Gator Todd who's now going to Kentucky but I remember things like um, body language on the golf course having a positive body language so that your teammates can always see that you are thinking positively and mm-hmm. your head's not down because that can influence their behavior. Those are probably things that you never even thought of because mm-hmm. for you, Hey, I'm just going to play for Jackson Van Paris in this junior golf tournament. Yeah. And if I shoot 76, it's on me. It doesn't affect anything else, yep. but now you're learning. You got to be a teammate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was a, uh, it was an adjustment <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'm still not great at it by any means. Right. I don't have it figured out, but and it, I'm I'm trying to get better at that every day. But yeah, it, I was a little, I was a little brat. Okay, <laughs> all right, fair. Honestly, like, yeah. No, I, I just I, I, and you got to qualify all the time. Yeah, exactly. Which how dare they? <laughs> <laughs> they make, I mean, whatever it has to do that. So so you got to qualify. Where again, you're coming in as like, hey man, I'm hot shit. And now you've got to prove it each and every week, and mm-hmm. you're not going to be great every single week. Yeah. And someone else. Someone yeah. else might be. Yeah. And when you're on a team that's good, right. you can't fake it. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're not – it's not like if you're not playing great this week, you're going to get the number four spot when you go to uh, Calusa or wherever. Mm-hmm. If you're not playing great, you're at home. How do you set expectations for balancing everything? I think you got to give yourself some grace first year. Um, for, for me, I was really lucky to have older guys that one, were not afraid to give you a hard time, Love it. toughen you up a little bit, which needs to happen everywhere. Yeah. Honest that I think, I think a little freshman teasing is, is absolutely mandatory. You're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be able to do it for, for the next freshman that come in. Exactly. Um, hashtag Wells Williams. Yeah. <laughs> um, just don't don't beat yourself up too much honestly it's it's a it's a learning process uh, at the end of the day like you're there to 
learn. You're not there to – well, yeah, it's great if you go – I mean, some freshmen like this year, I mean, I know Ben James, Caleb Surratt, Nick Dunlap, a bunch of those guys kill it. And my year, Gordon Sargent obviously wins national championship. Plenty of other freshmen have great freshman years. But, like, try to learn as much as you can. Like, learn from the older guys. Learn from guys that you know are good examples, that do the right things. Like, that's really important. And the more you can learn from people that you believe are good role models and, like, represent. Like, for me, I take certain things from everyone on my, on my team. Um whether it's golf ability or just the way they handle themselves. Uh, I know for me, like watching Riedel on the golf course was always something that like he, well, all the guys on our team do a very good job of it. Like he, I feel like he's one of the more mature guys, one that I've met in college, but two, just in general, um, he just, he handles things the right way I think I think a lot of the time and so what I did was I try to learn a lot from him how does he react when he hits a ball in the water how does he react when right. he has to re-tee how many like stuff like that like so learn I think is the biggest thing yeah so uh you're coming into this summer uh Vanderbilt uh you're wrapping up your second season at Vanderbilt kind of trending in that direction in your sophomore year we're playing in some more tournaments uh top tenning at Jones Cup and uh, uh, really kind of moving in the right direction and trending as you go into the summer. And, you know, this was the first summer of the Elite Amateur Golf Series. I know that there's a lot for amateurs, believe it or not, to keep in mind. You have you have Wagger. You have setting a schedule that works with your, you know, outside golf interest, obviously, and then not getting burned out. There's exemptions on the line. There's all these. There's still qualifiers, you know, getting into USAM. There's all this going on. When Elite Amateur Golf Series was announced and you saw what – changes were being made and what, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say prizes, but what kind of, uh, privileges come with finishing high in that points race. What was your take on that when that kind of came to be? For me, it was try to play as much as you can. Um, and the last two years I played a lot of them that last summer as well. Uh, I practically the same schedule I have this summer, um, North East this week, sunny Hannah last week. North, South, Southern, Western, lucky enough to get into all those. Um, and then last year I qualified for USAM, so I played USAM as well. And I haven't played postseason for Vanderbilt the last two years. So, I mean, I've been six-man on the road there as a sub in case I was needed. Um, but I – so I've been very fresh going into the summer, yeah. which I didn't have a particularly great summer last year. But I know like last week that that – helps when you're going through a long week it's a lot of rain delays i mean it's tiring and having being fresh and not burnt out definitely helps a little bit but also like being on the road for those things you got to learn how to manage like you're not as beat up as other guys that are at greyhawk and you're exactly yeah you're coming in at a clear there were at least playing that every i mean yeah some guys made it all the way to the championship match and then they're out yeah road war road warriors this summer and it's it's it's, it's a, brutal. Yeah, yeah but it, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, you uh, you had a good finish last year at the Sunny Hand, a thirteenth. Um, I've learned this phrase. So this year is my first Sunny Hand. I've never been there before, and I heard uh, a lot of guys mentioning the phrase. Uh, I got Sunny Handed out there. Yeah, <laughs> I think I know what that means, but elaborate on what it means to get Sunny Handed. Uh, to get Sunny Handed is to, or it can be a few things. Okay. Um, have a putt from above the hole that you can't keep on the green. That's okay. one. That's probably or can't keep within 15 feet. Okay. Um, having a approach shot that you're aiming 40 feet away from the hole. When you have, even if you have a wedge in your hand using a slope or just, you just can't go at a certain hole. Right. Um, it's all about the greens. Stuff like that. Yeah. All it's about all, the greens. All about the greens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause what I saw out there is, like you, you, there's guys that played tremendously well and there's guys that struggled and it seemed to all be about, okay, where did you leave your ball in the green? Cause you could hit identical shots. One releases a little bit and it's four feet above the hole and another one doesn't. And it's 10 feet below the hole, two completely different opportunities for birdie. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
even four feet above the hole and right. 15 feet below the hole. Uh, Sometimes you'd rather have the 15 footer below, below oh, most of the time, actually. So this tournament has so much history. Uh, I think this is the 82nd version of this tournament. I mean, Nicholas played there. Palmer played there as an 18 year old tiger. More has won it. Webb Simpson's won it. We can go down the list. I think over a thousand PGA tour wins have been attributed to past participants of the Sunahana. Um, does the history mean a lot to you at these tournaments? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It's just cool to like, look back and see like, Oh wow. Webb Simpson played in this and won it. Yeah. Oh, Tiger played in this or Jack Nicholas or all those guys. Cause a lot of people might think that, okay, today's college players, all they're thinking about is getting to the pro ranks. I want to do this. I want to win here, or I want to qualify for this because it's going to get me, you know, this exemption or get sets up the pro ranks. You're not speaking obviously for everyone, but you're more, or you at least appreciate the history. Absolutely. Yeah. You also appreciate, like I mentioned this to you there, but the people there and like the environment around the event, that means a ton too for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. That is the, I was really impressed. I think I heard from John Yerger, the tournament co-chair, 130, 150 volunteers. Yeah. At the Santa Hannah. It's unbelievable. It's like the entire town like just comes and, yeah, and what's out. interesting, I'm not sure if you know this, um, well, obviously, it's not just members. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, it's yeah. people that aren't, they're not members of the club. They're just like, what? You need someone to sit on the sixth tee and, and you know, hand out waters, or you need someone yeah. to go spot? They're in. In, yeah, 100%. And they're all nice. Yeah. They're like, where are you from? How, how are you doing? Like, can we do anything for you? It, it's it's unbelievable. And the host houses, I mean, that's that's yeah. a cool thing here about the Northeast. But I love the the host house thing. Where and we, did we talk about where your your host family? Uh, last week uh-huh. and this week, I got well. Last week, Greg Sanford okay. stayed. Wells Williams and I stayed with him. Okay. Um, that was a, the last two years we've done that. And this week, it's Terry Bia four. And, and and you got Wells again, and you got Wells again, and that's that. It's just us two in the house. But. That's that's a lot of quality time with Wells Williams. <laughs> You're telling me. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, that guy. <laughs> Someday when that guy comes on the podcast, it's I don't know. It's gonna, we're gonna have to record it at a Bass Pro Shops or something. Riveting conversation. It's gonna be yeah. We're gonna need an interpreter. Um, <laughs> first two rounds, seventy-one in the first round of Sunahana, and then you go really the round that kind of sets you up for. Um, for for success has to be that second round sixty one. We talked about it briefly. Is is it just that you got less sunny handed between the first round and the second round? Because yeah, you didn't, you didn't have anything really constructive to tell me at at the sunny hand about why you went from seventy one to sixty one. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, definitely. I mean, obviously, you hit the ball better, you put the ball better, but I think just being on the right side of the hole is extremely important. Just being able to – I managed it really well the second day. Did not manage it very well the first day. I three-putted at least twice the first day, maybe even three times. Didn't three-putt the second day. Um, yeah, that, that was a that was a nice turnaround. Yeah, yeah. Ten-shot difference. Uh, you go into the final round with the lead. You're paired with teammate William Mall, and then you're paired with uh, the, the – man, I mean, Neil Shipley – I'm running out of adjectives for that adjectives for that guy, but he's a mid-am that well, he's not a mid-am. He's a college player, looks like a mid-am, um, and probably one of the nicest guys in college golf. That had to be a very had to be a pretty comfortable pairing with a. T- I mean, that is kind of odd. You were the super nice guy from Ohio State, and then the teammate. Yeah, it was so, great. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that final round, it felt like you had a lot of chasers, and um, you know you played great, bogey the last hole, but, but you still shoot sixty seven. And um, Neil had a birdie putt on 18. Uh, I think we talked about this, but what were your feelings watching him line up that birdie putt, knowing that, so you're off the green, you chip up, you got about eight feet, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. And Neil's got a birdie putt basically to force you to make that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so I had a three-shot lead going into 16. Um, And from that point on, like when you have a three-shot lead to three holes to go, it's kind of hard to not like. Feeling pretty good. You're feeling good, right? You're like, okay, I think I got it. And like, I was hit, I was playing good, pretty good golf. So I was like, I feel like I'm in a good spot. Yep. Just kind of steady, just get it in. 
Um, and then like he almost hold a wedge. Well, first he almost hold a wedge shot on seventeen. I mean, from the fairway, it, William and I are walking up, and we're like freak. We're like, oh my gosh, this ball's about to go in, and it's rolling. It rolls right across back of the hole. Has tap in for birdie, and then I hit one of the most ugly tee shots of all time on eighteen um, to to a spot where I'm basically gonna make bogey probably. Right. And yeah, I'm watching his putt. He's got about a 25 footer on my line to make me make mine to win. And oof. yeah, <laughs> that was that might have been the most nervous I was all week. Yeah, because <laughs> that thing just trickles, barely misses, and now you have two putts to win as opposed yeah. to having to make an eight footer to win. Yeah. And after all the rain and all the delays we had. Uh, nobody's rooting for a playoff. Oh, no. No, Absolutely no, no. not. Nobody wants a that playoff. That was my 30th hole today, and oh. that was plenty for me <laughs> that yeah. day. That was, uh, that was a lot. Um, more happy or more relieved after that, after winning? Because you've, you know, not to not to harp on it, but again, you've, you've had two years where probably looking back at Vanderbilt, it's been a struggle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you... It's, you have not played to your best potential and not been in the starting lab as much as you wanted to. So I'm guessing you're, I mean, you're going through qualifiers and trying to solve problems, but you don't have time to work on problems because you got to go qualify. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, oof, uh, both happy and relieved. Okay. A lot of happiness. Um, just kind of, it almost just felt like more validation for me. Like I'm okay. I actually might be doing the right stuff. I, I might, might be good at this game. I, 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 I might be. Yeah. It was, that's gotta be a really weird feeling to, to win a massive amateur tournament. And I mean, I saw, I kind of saw it on your face. There was like, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go hug some people and I'm going to shake some hands, but there wasn't the, yeah, it was a very no. bizarre kind of reaction. It wasn't like a uh, – there was no tiger fist pump being thrown. If it you made a, the eight-footer for par, there would have been one. If Neil would have made one – if Neil would have made his right. and then I would have made mine right. to win by one, I would have probably had to do yeah. a little something. Okay. But I, I was like tired, relieved, kind of monkey off my back almost. Yeah. Well, I think everyone had a sense of being drained that week because oh, yeah. there were so many delays. I, I know we've said it many times, uh, uh, but John Yerger, the tournament co-chair, and just the entire people at the West Bank Golf Association, everyone that made that tournament a 72-hole championship. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And with, I mean, behind the scenes, I was behind the scenes seeing what they were going through. There were so many things they were evaluating, and yeah. every single f- variable – was done or looked at and examined through the lens of what's best for the players. Yeah. What's best for the tournament? What's best for getting these players to their flights, to to shuttles? I mean, they, the army of people that got people into shuttles to get them to airports, to get them to here. Nuts. Nuts. I'm just glad I was just the idiot Instagram guy taking pictures (laughs) and I wasn't in charge of that stuff. Uh, We're going to get you out of here because I know uh, you got to prepare for the Northeast stand, but Let's talk about your parents. Todd and Jana are always with you. I see them at tournaments. Uh, I see, I see the 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 level, some levels of stress that they manage. Some I could read it bright, just super clear. Um, how much fun was it for you with them after you win that tournament? Just to see, because they were. I, I'm guessing their reaction was similar to yours. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No, there was a. Uh... My parents are great. They uh, they travel with me a lot. They they love it. They they love these things. They okay. like. I, I truly think like my dad's favorite thing to do in the whole entire world is to watch me play golf. Wow. Which That's, you can ask him. Maybe maybe not quite, but it's it's close. He uh, he loves it, and so he comes to all of them. He uh, my mom too. She's we. Uh, I think Maxwell Ford came up with the nickname Pack Mule for because she's always carrying the backpack. Pack Mule, that's PM. PM. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's always carrying the snacks, the the liquid IV, the Gatorade, all the right. whatever it is. Um, Would have been nice to tell me this maybe two years ago. Now I know who to go to. But all right, good, good to know. Um, all right. My dad's up there in the fairway giving me signals for fairway rough. Oh, out, there's there's out signals of, out of bounds. Oh yeah, there's signals. Yeah. Okay. It's, Manages my stress a little bit. Okay. You, if you if you really watch me, you'll see me like 
after I hit a tee shot or like after I'm doing this, I'll be like, or I'll I've, I've, like, I've noticed you know, the like, hands, the, the like the up, down, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I um, but they were, <laughs> I, my parents were, I think, very, they, they're obviously, they're just really happy for me. I right. Think. Um, and that's, they've been my biggest supporters for the, I mean, my entire golf career. Um, and they, they do so much for me that they probably felt it as much as I did when, when I won. And I, I, I attribute a hundred percent of their, I, mean, I obviously couldn't do any of it without them. Yeah. They, they go everywhere for me. They do whatever they have to do to give me all the opportunities to succeed. And yeah, they, uh, they were the first person I thanked in my speech after because yes, that was hundred percent. That was the those were the first people that were on my mind, and um, yeah, they they're they're great. But yeah, well, um, you're uh, you're gonna be a, your name's gonna be on that trophy forever. We're gonna have pictures of you on the wall in Sunnyhanna Country Club at some point, and uh, but now you're on to the next one. You just said your schedule: Sunnyhanna Northeast, North and South, uh, Southern, Western. So you are making a run. I mean, your schedule is five out of the seven for elite amateurs. Yeah. So you're making a run. Top five, uh, top five finishers in the elite amateur cup at the end of the the series get USAM exemption, 2024 US Open exemption into final qualifying, mm-hmm. uh, and depending on where you finish on that list, and an exemption into the a Corn Ferry Tour start, yeah. uh, perhaps a PGA Tour. There's a lot there. A lot so. To play for. <laughs> Uh, does it kind of feel good to get a win first off where you can actually maybe not press and just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, it, to get that first one, to get that first win and you're, you're leading the points chase, by the way, I just wanted to let no, you, thank I'm you. Just trying to help out you know, communication. I'm not major. a huge math guy. But uh, me I, neither, but they told me they I said think that's how that works. That's the guy. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but it sets up a nice summer. Absolutely. Yeah. And also doesn't like. I know there are some guys that plan on doing all, almost all of them. Right. Um, it, it's just really feels obviously great to to get that just off to a good start. And obviously a lot of golf to go. Um, but and also just kind of, like I said earlier, monkey off my back. Yeah. A little less pressure. Might be standing on the first tee of this one. Maybe a little less nervous than if I uh, if I hadn't played as well last week. So go enjoy uh, the uh, the opening couple days here at the Northeast Stand before we get started on Wednesday. Uh, appreciate being here at the back of the range. Congrats on your run at the Son of Hannah, and uh, and I will see you out there uh, tomorrow. See you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. And there you have it. Special thanks to John Yerger from the Sunny Hanna Amateur and the new champion, Jackson Van Paris from Pioneers, North Carolina. As you all can figure out by now, I have already gotten myself to Wanamoisa Country Club, site of the Northeast Amateur, tournament number two in the Elite Amateur Golf Series. So I'll be here all week. Make sure you're following Northeast Amateur on Instagram and the back of the range. And we'll see you next time with the Northeast Amateur Champion here at the back of the range.